Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Are you ready for the word of God? Yes! All right. I'm going, to do that in, I'm going to do an intro and then we'll pray and stand and read the word. I'm going to be very vulnerable over the next 30 minutes with the church and hopefully it will help you on the subject I'm going to talk about. Um, thank you, worship team. Let's give these guys a hand. You guys, appreciate you all. And a big welcome to everyone online. It's great to have you with us. We are in a constant battle against dark forces in our world. It's a constant battle. Paul talks to the church in Ephesus in chapter 6 of Ephesians. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against our boss, our family. Our struggle is not against government. It says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. The world is dark. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. Satan, the enemy, has two distinctive weapons against you and I. Two weapons. Number one is distraction, and number two is discouragement. Distraction and discouragement. When I reflect back on my life and the times that I have gone off course in life, where I've made poor decisions, it's always been because of the two Ds, distraction and discouragement. I've got distracted, distracted from church, distracted from my Bible, my prayer life, distracted from a whole load of stuff that's taken me off course, or discouragement. I've got discouraged and I've gone off course. The two biggest things when you run a marathon to overcome is distraction and discouragement. If you've ever run a marathon, discouragement, you hit a wall at mile 18 or 16, and the discouragement comes in like a wave, and this is what it says, you won't make it. You didn't train hard enough, you didn't, you're not fit enough, you see people running past you, you hit the wall, and what do you do? You want to quit. The second thing is distraction. When I was running the London Marathon in 2008, I was two or three miles from the finish line, and if you've ever been to the London Marathon, it's a spectacular occasion, and people are offering you sweets, candy, towards the end to give you energy. And this one lady had a bowl of fruit pastels. Is anyone else's nemesis in life fruit pastels? I've always wondered why they don't make a tube of just orange fruit pastels. Who would buy that tube? I mean, orange fruit pastels is just... Has anyone ever offered you a fruit pastel? It's a green one. You're like, peel the red. Anyone else want that one? I want to get to where the real magic happens. So I, I took some fruit pastels, and I stood there for nearly two minutes eating fruit pastels, and I missed my personal best time. It's interesting, in life... We try and get closer to God. What are the two things that knock us off course? Distraction, discouragement. Distraction, discouragement. And they keep coming wave after wave. We get distracted. We want to be popular. We want to, we, 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 distraction of social media, distraction of, you know, even being distracted in church. Sometimes people forget when I'm up here, I'm looking, I watch people on Instagram. I'm like looking at people like doing this. They're just distracted. We live in a, a world that is just so distracted. Everybody, you, you know, I was at the football yesterday and people, people were on their phones at the football. Just distracted. We are living in the most distracted world we've ever lived in. And the good news is this. 
we can choose to refuse. We can choose to refuse. We can, we can choose to d- refuse distraction, and we can choose to refuse discouragement. We're going to deal with distraction at a later date, but I want to deal with what I believe is the enemy's number one weapon against the church right now, which is discouragement. Discouragement. Do you know how many times the enemy has whispered these two words over the last two years? Ready? Just quit. Just quit. Has anyone else had those two words ring around? Just quit that job idea. Just quit that marriage. Just quit the new church bill. Just quit. Just quit church. Just quit the Just quit. Just quit. A well-meaning Christian called me in the middle of COVID and said, John, I, I, I really feel like I've got a, a word from God for you. He said, I think you shouldn't build that building. I said, now, by the way, in the middle of that, we didn't even need a shed, let alone an auditorium that seats 1,200 people, because you couldn't meet anywhere. So in that moment, if someone said that to me now, you just think they're crazy. But in that moment, in that virtual moment that we were in, he said, just, just, just quit, sell the land, settle down, and move forward. Do you know how, how many times that even good people sow seeds of discouragement? Just little thoughts, and you start, it starts playing around in your mind, this record... Just quit. And I think this, I think if you're taking notes, write this down. I think giving up is actually worse than messing up. Giving up is worse than messing up. Because we all mess up. We all get it wrong. We have a bad attitude. We say things that are not good. But actually quitting, that's exactly what discouragement does. Discouragement's end goal is defeat. It's quit. You're discouraged in your marriage. Do you know what the devil's end goal for that is? Quit. Quit the marriage. Walk away from the covenant that you made with your spouse. So why do we quit? Why do we give up? Why do we throw in the towel? Simply because we either got distracted or we got discouraged. In the marriage, we got distracted by something else online, some, someone else at work. We get discouraged. We get discouraged in the dream. We get discouraged in the family. The plans didn't go to plan. And discouragement is a deadly disease. It's a deadly disease. D.L. Moody, the famous theologian, said this, I've never known God to use a discouraged person. I've never known God to use a discouraged person. Can you see why now the devil uses discouragement? Because it literally disarms a Christian. Now I've got a prophetic word for September for our church. I've been bursting to share this with you. You ready? you're going to have an opportunity to be discouraged. Glad you came to church today. You're going to have an opportunity because the Bible says that the enemy walks around like a prowling animal looking who he can take out. Now, here's just some throwaway, some appetizers for you before we get into the main, the main meal. Discouragement produces four things in our lives. Four things. Number one is this. It saps our energy. It takes our energy. We get so discouraged, all that creative energy that God gives us is sapped. We put so much work in it, it doesn't work out. We study hard for the exam. We don't get the result we want, and we feel sapped of energy. The second thing discouragement does is it distorts our reality. We don't see things as they really are. Whenever you're discouraged, you can't see things that really are. I remember calling a mentor of mine in the States and telling him about this phone call. He said, John, 
just get a bit of perspective. He said, COVID is going to disappear. Buildings, churches are going to reopen. You're going to need that build. Sometimes when you get so discouraged, what happens is you lose sight of reality. The third thing that discouragement does is discouragement kills our motivation. We just can't be bothered. We just can't be bothered. We feel tempted just to quit and give up. The fourth thing discouragement does, and this is probably the most dangerous, is this. Discouragement attracts discouragement. If you get around a bunch of discouraging people, isn't it amazing at work? The discouraged people always seem to find the discouraged people in the corridor. It never happens in church, only at work. But it's amazing, even when you're following people on social media, negative voices, how negative people follow negative people, discouraged people follow discouraged people, and suddenly you can get on the bandwagon of discouragement, and suddenly the world feels a whole lot darker than it really is. And discouragement is highly contagious. You can pass it on. When we moved to South Africa in 2008, in 2007, we decided to do a recce, a visit down to Cape Town to just really figure out if that's where God wanted us to be for, the, for, the, for, for that season of our lives. And we went down, then we had a wonderful week in South Africa, and we went around and saw where we could live. And, but we, we, weren't, we weren't 100% certain that this is what God had for us. And we were on the plane from Cape Town back up to London. And when we were on the plane, we, again, we sat next to this well-meaning South African, and we he said, what are you doing? I said, we've been to South Africa. We're thinking about moving here. He said, you're thinking about what? I said, we're thinking about moving. He said, no, no, no. Everybody's leaving. I said, no, no, no. He said, and then for the next three or four hours, he decided to tell us horror stories of why everybody was leaving South Africa and just how mad we must be to even consider moving down there. Isn't it amazing how that got in our spirits? And suddenly you, you get overcome with fear and discouragement. One conversation just fills you with discouragement. Now, can you see why the enemy loves discouragement? Saps your energy, it kills your motivation, attracts discouragement. And the challenge with discouragement is we can actually have been discouraged for so long, we've camped there, it becomes our normal. That actually we are just a discouraged person. And we don't even recognize it. Now, you might not feel discouraged today. You might have come to the church, you're feeling good. Um, but you will be tested. We will all be tested on this message. So hold it close. Okay, hold this message close. If you're watching online, hold it close. Share the message. Because any time you and I are hit with a bout of discouragement, um, we might need to come back to this, to this moment. And I don't want to preach, as I said at the start of this message, I want to be vulnerable today. I don't want to preach this from a teacher's perspective. I want to teach this from a pupil's perspective. Because what I've learned over the last two or three weeks, some of the things that God has shown me, I believe is going to be very helpful, helpful for us as a church over the next six months as we transition into the future. And so I'm going to be honest with you. This is where this message started. Two weeks ago, we received an email to say that we'd been rejected for our Christian school in Norfolk. So Monday morning, I got two emails on a Monday morning, and it was like, it was like a punch. You know when you get that email, and there's, no really, there's, there's really at this time no point of appealing the decision. It's a government, national government decision that we haven't been successful, and you just feel deflated. You feel discouraged. And then the financial pressure on the building has been immense over the last two weeks. 
And I'm not here for a pity party, because that's not what I'm just sharing with you, being honest, it has been immense, and we're having to scale back some of the things inside of the building. And so naturally, it's been a discouraging season. But it's been very, it's been a time where I've drawn closer to God, and God has shown me today five simple principles for defeating discouragement in our life, and I want to share these with you, and I believe that God is allowing us to go through some of these things to help us as a church understand this, and so I believe God has done something deep in Chantal, I want to share these uh, with us today, um, because these are thoughts that will help us come through it, and so after a really happy start to the message, why don't we stand to our feet and pray, and then we're going to read the Word of God together. The message is titled, Defeating Discouragement. Let me tell you, it's going to finish a whole lot better than it started. So, Father God, we thank you that you are the God of courage. You are the God of peace. You are in control when everything seems to be chaos, as we've been hearing the wind and the rain are battering against us, Father. We thank you that we are in control and we will come through it. So, right, Father, right now, I pray that you would anoint my words. Lord, I pray this message would make the enemy mad today. Lord, I pray that people would leave, Father, with fresh courage and strength in their hearts and their souls. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can remain standing. We're going to read from Psalm 42. This is David, King David, crying out to God in an hour of discouragement in his life. So let's read this together. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sounds of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Amen. Amen. You guys can take your seats. A little bit of context to this passage. King David's life is being threatened by King Saul. Saul is deeply threatened by uh, David. The crowds have been singing. Saul slayed his thousands. David slayed his tens of thousands. And this insecurity in Saul, he comes after David. And two times he tries to kill David as a young man. But David learned five things to defeat discouragement. I want to share these five things with you today. Five things that God has shown us in this last two weeks since we last saw you. The first step to defeating discouragement, I'm going to write them on the board. They all begin with R to help us is this, rest. Now this might sound unusual, rest. Verse two says, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? David is thirsty and David understands in the battle, the heat of battle, he needs rest. The first instruction from Psalm 42 when we are going through a season of discouragement is we have to find rest. God created you and I to rest. I actually think that God considers rest as important as work. Often we think God smiles on us when we are working, and by the way, he does. 
when we're doing something spiritual, he smiles on us. But God smiles on you and I when we're resting. We went to Great Yarmouth on Thursday night and um, had some healthy food. <laughs> Our kids playing golf and all sorts of fun. But what we realized is that when we came back, the kids were, kids, kids were tired. It's the last kind of four week of school holidays. So we let them have some fun. And Justice went to sleep and it was about half past 11 and I went back into his room. I was going to double check on him, do the double check, make sure they're all good. And he was just lying there at peace and at rest. Do you know a father's heart, when you see your child asleep, it makes you feel so good when you know that they've played hard, worked hard all day. Do you know when God sees us resting, it actually brings a smile to his face. Do you know it actually, I think it kind of, not upsets God, because I don't think he's easily upset, but when we just keep going and going and going, and he's like, I have created you to rest. You were born to work and to rest. We need rests. You know, it's interesting. God created the heavens and earth in six, in six days. On day six, he created man and woman. Genesis chapter one, verse 22 says, then God said, let us make humankind in our own image. And then day seven, the Bible says, that by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. What was the first thing that God created man to do? Rest. Imagine you've got a new job and you pull up on the first day, five to nine, you've got your new suit on, your new dress on, you walk into work and the boss says, what are you doing? You say, well, I'm reporting in for work. No, 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 your first day, I need you to rest. I mean, you'd think, you'd think your boss had gone loopy. But God said, no, I've created man and woman right on the last day. And the first day I want you to do is I want you to rest. Because I take pleasure when you're at rest. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, it is useless for you to work so hard. Oh, this is, this is hard, especially for workaholics. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Write this down. To be at our best requires rest. We need rest. Now, I'll be honest, I've not been good at this. And this is one of the reasons that discouragement's creeped in. I've made 101 excuses why I've got to keep working, but I realized to be at my best for my family, for my children, for my church, I need rest. I need rest. Do you know how much we needed last Sunday, sabbatical Sunday? I'm not talking about just us, all of us. You say, well, I don't really agree with that. I don't really think the church should have done that. Let me just explain. This is not John and Chantel's church. This is God's church. What it does for us as a team is it takes it from this place is really dependent on Chantel and I and Alan and Katie and Gareth and all the incredible team. It takes the dependency from that to do. He's going to do his work with or without us. When we take a break, it reminds me it's not in me, it's in him. 
It actually frees me from the dependency of this is all about me. The new church is all about John. The new church is all about Sharon. There's nothing to do. It's going, God, as I rest, I am shifting my dependency from me back on to you. You will still build your church with or without me. And so what I realized last weekend is actually I need to rest and you need to rest. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do in life is this. You ready? Go to bed. You say, well, that's not very spiritual. It is spiritual because God created you to rest. You don't need to be on your phone at 12.30 at night trying to do a deal, trying to sell a stock, trying to get... You need to be in bed with your spouse if you're married. I'll come on to that. God is saying, every seventh day, we need to refresh. It's not for God's benefit, it's for us. So the question is this, first challenge, when is your Sabbath? It doesn't have to be a Sunday, but it does have to be a day. It needs to be a day every week where you switch off. And this is what happens when you switch off. You put the pressure onto God. Say, God, I need you. I am now dependent on you to do what I can't do because the natural part of me says I need to do it I need to get to it I need to ring that person but actually God is saying no you need to be dependent on me you know there are 10 commandments I'll be honest I wouldn't even dream about breaking nine of them I don't want to steal I don't want to look at someone else's wife I don't want to I don't want to do any of that stuff we have no problem in breaking the sixth commandment which is you should have a sabbath None of us have got any issue with it. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Why would we break something that is so crucial to what God created? Why would we even consider breaking one of the Ten Commandments when we wouldn't even consider breaking one of the other nine? So God considers rest as important as the other nine because he knows we cannot function without rest. All right. By the way, this gets better. Number two, recognize. Second step in defeating discouragement is recognize. Now, this is what happens. You say, well, why do I need to rest? What's that got to do with discouragement? When we are at rest, we start to recognize what's making us discouraged. Because remember, discouragement is a feeling. That's all it is. Happiness is a feeling. Discouragement is a feeling. It's just a feeling. And David says this in Psalm 42, verse 11, in the New Living Translation. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. Now, so, last weekend, I started reflecting on this as I was at rest. Why am I feeling discouraged? Why? Now, you cannot ask that question if you're in the rat race. You have to stop. This is why David starts the psalm acknowledging his need of God. And God challenged me, he says, where are you most vulnerable? And sometimes we can be discouraged for so long, we actually don't know what is the root cause of the discouragement because we are so used, we are so used to the feeling. So I asked myself, what was discouraging me? So I'm going to have a vulnerable moment with you. Thank you. First thing that was discouraging me was two things that discouraged me. Number one is I wanted every room of our new building perfect on opening Sunday, March the 3rd, finished. 
which any of you would want for your own home. Breaking news, it ain't happening like that. The toilets will work, the kids' rooms will be adequate, and the auditorium will be ready to worship. If we get a coffee, that'll be brilliant. <laughs> the rest is in God's hands and in God's time. But we're not going to spend money that we don't have. So, this was getting me discouraged. So then, you've got to take a step back, go, okay, I've rested, and I'm recognizing why I'm discouraged. Then you've got to go back a step further. Now, this is difficult. So why did I want everything perfect and complete on the opening Sunday? Pride. Shoot. Pride. So the root of discouragement was rooted in pride. Whoa. I'm a pastor and admitting I've got pride. In a bad way. Because we want to be proud. But that pride was causing discouragement. So then I'm saying, well, what's the second thing? What other, what, I'm fearful. I'm fearful. The second thing is we won't have enough money to finish it. So the second, when I take a step back, and is fear. So the two things that were causing me discouragement after I rested and recognized was pride and fear. They were at the root issue of the discouragement. Now this week, we had a tree taken out of our house. On, 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 on Monday, Chantel and I attacked the tree, okay, and we cut the tree down, and uh, we thought we'd done our part, but we hadn't, because there was this great big stump, and I had to call Dr. Stump out, that was his name, and Dr. Stump, somebody brought this big machine called a grinder, and a stump grinder, is that right, Nick? And he put it on, he said, make sure your toes aren't in the way of this, and boo, 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 boo. And this thing, for the next 10 minutes, he took this big, big root system out of the ground. And as he was removing that on, 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 in, on the midweek, I felt God show me. He said, that's exactly what it's like with discouragement. He says, you can come to church and get a little lift up and a little trim, and you can get, feel like a little bit better, but you've got to get to the root system. You've got to recognize, rest and recognize what are the things that are causing you discouragement in your life. Because if I don't get that root system out, guess what will happen? It will resurface, and it will start producing and reproducing discouragement in our life. So the root cause of my issue wasn't the new church. It wasn't the new church. It wasn't the school. That wasn't the issue. But you've got to be brave enough. <sighs> Get to the root issue of what's causing you to feel discouraged. So what did we do? We had to get a professional in to grind out the stumps and the roots. And as I rested and I recognized, it was so freeing. And David said this, he said, come on, let's just be honest. Why am I discouraged? I want to put that question onto us. If you're feeling discouraged, why? Why? Be brave enough to answer your own question. There's, there's no shame I had to bring a professional in to get to the root system. Church might not be able to help you to get to the root of your issue. Can I just say that? Worship might not be able to help you get to the root of your issue. You might have to speak to a counselor. You might have, there is absolutely no shame in speaking to a professional to get into the root issues of why it's causing you to be discouraged. Because coming to church might just trim the hedge. 
We need to know what the devil uses to work on God's children. Why am I discouraged? I didn't get the results, my GCSEs. I didn't get the A-levels to get into to, 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 to university or college. The issue is actually not the results. The issue is maybe a, a word that was spoken over you by a teacher or a parent or trying to live through shame or, or guilt or fear. The issue is a whole lot deeper that is causing discouragement to grow on the tree of your life. Maybe you've messed up in that relationship. and I'm going to get onto that, but the root is growing. And the tree is growing in your life and it's causing so much shame. We've got to rest. We've got to recognize. And it brings us on to the third one. Can you guys see it over here? I don't know if that leads a hyphen, but I just felt like one. Rest, recognize, and this is, this is key, reorder. Disorder always brings discouragement in our lives. Disorder. Whenever there's disorder in our lives, there's always discouragement. Whenever there's disorder in your, in your eating, it's going to bring discouragement in your life. Whenever there's disorder in, 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 your, in your exercise routine, it brings discouragement. Psalm 42, 11 says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. David answers his own question. I will praise him again. David admits here, sometimes we can just skip over this, he admits to two disorders in his life. The first one is this, he's placed his hope in the wrong places. I will put my hope in God, which means he had removed his hope. He put his hope in the wrong thing. And secondly, he was worshipping the wrong things. Whenever we put our hope in the wrong places or worship the wrong things, there will always be disorder in our lives. It's about five years ago now, I made a discouragement. I made a discouragement. I made a decision around discouragement, and this was the, this was the decision, that football would not cause any change of mood in my life. I made that decision. You might think I'm joking. Chantel will be a witness. It's about five years ago, I was literally, if Norwich won or England won, I was coming home. I was like, I've you know, evaded and bounced around on the trampoline with the kids. If they lost, I'm like, I'm down, I'm down, I'm done. And I, I walked out of Carrow Road once and God stopped me. He said, you must never allow this to dictate your mood ever again. So I made a decision. I went to Rotherham yesterday. Okay, I'm a diehard fan. I made a decision, when I walk, when I cross the line of the stadium, it will not affect who I am as a person, because life is far bigger than 11 overpaid footballers. But I had to make that decision. You had to make a decision, because people's, you know, all the Robin fans are walking out, and I just walked out with a smile on my face. I thought, the sun is shining. I am, I'm with my son. I am not going to allow this to dictate my mood. There is absolutely no way. What did David say? He said this. He said, I put my hope in the wrong places. And so what happens is when we rest, we recognize. What do we recognize? We've got to recognize where there is disorder in our lives. Disorder. Now, Discouragement, when it comes to disorder, discouragement doesn't always mean we're doing the wrong thing. It can mean we're doing it the wrong way. Now let that sink in just for a second. 
Often we think discouragement is because we're doing the wrong thing. Often it's simply we're doing it the wrong way. So the new church, who would agree, is 100% the right thing to do? This is what God showed me. I'm just doing it the wrong way. And God said, just work through, room by room, when the money comes in, room by room, furnish it, fit it out, room by room, as the weeks, the months, even the years go by, work it out. So you can be doing the right thing in life, but doing it the wrong way, and the moment you're doing the right thing in the wrong way, it will cause you discouragement. Maybe in life we're doing the right things, but in the wrong way, and we're living with discouragement. 2010, I was invited to speak at Hillsong London, at the Dominion Theatre. There was 8,000 people there across the three services. And it was, a big, it was a big deal, like I was a young man and standing in front of such a big crowd and I was living in South Africa and I, I flew up to speak in London and I thought, I know what I do. I'll get my three best messages and mash them. I'll mash them together and the glorious mash became the, became the glorious mess. It was a shocker and I was so discouraged, so discouraged. And it was so bad, they didn't even put the podcast out. And I was like, it was bad. I mean, I remember the pastor came up to me after and said, wow, John, you gave that a good go. I mean, you're talking about discouragement. I mean, so... Now, was it the right thing? Preaching God's word? 100%. It was done the wrong way. And sometimes in life, we're doing the right things. We're just simply going about them the wrong way. David was doing the right thing, but in the wrong way. He was putting, he was, he had hope. He just had hope in the wrong places. He was worshiping the wrong things. You know, when we do the right thing in the wrong way, it can cause a lot of damage in our world. John, I just can't seem to find the right person. Maybe you keep meeting the right one, but doing things in the wrong order. God gives you someone to love, and the first thing you think, oh, I need to make love. It's the wrong order. It's the wrong order. Maybe the right order is to build a friendship. Do you know Chantal and I were best friends for 18 months before we dated. She was my best friend. She was my best friend. The foundation of our marriage coming up to 18 years is we built a best friend companionship before we ever kissed each other. I tried. (laughs) I tried. But the foundation to our relationship was done in the right order. You see, God created sex in the boundaries of marriage. So if we take what God's ordered and bring our own order to it, it will keep messing up. You'll go from the next relationship to the next relationship to the next. Simply, it's not the wrong thing, by the way. Sex is the right thing. Have we got onto sex? We're talking about discouragement. Anyway. Sex is the right thing in God's order. So when you do things God's way, it will flourish. John, I'm deep in debt. Well, maybe we just need to bring some reorder to your budget. So what's the order? The order is this. Give, save, live. That's the order of godly finances. Ready? Give, save, live. Simple. That's how you build a life of financial security. You give, you save, and you live. How well do most people do? Live, live, live. 
That's why people are in a financial mess. Live, live, live. Paycheck to paycheck. Live, live, live. No, no. God's order is, God, I'm going to give you 10% of what you've given me. I'm simply handing it back to you. And as I give you my tithe, your promise is that you cover and bless the 90%. Oh, John, well, that's Old Testament. Where does it say to stop in the new? It doesn't. Tithing is God's order. And so when you give God What's rightfully his, it brings order to your fight. And then you invest and save, and then you spend. John, I'm out of shape. Join the club. Bring some reorder. Simply bring some reorder. Eating is the right thing. God created us to eat. Any foodies out there? God created us. But sometimes we do things in the wrong order. John, I'm stressed. Maybe we just need to reorder our time. Maybe we need to eliminate some things from our schedule. Yeah. And simply that so many times I've been discouraged and you've been discouraged because we're doing the right things, simply doing them the wrong way. It's amazing how we rest, we recognize, we bring reorder to our lives and we begin to see changes. You know, often what people want is they want someone to come and lay hands on them, pray for them, and discouragement will leave them in that moment. Sometimes it happens like that, but I think actually defeating discouragement is as much a natural process as it is a spiritual process. I think God gives you the courage to go through those five steps. I think God gives you the strength to carry through these five steps. I don't think I can just put my hands on you and it's gone. Because the root's still there. The root is still in, in your life. We're, we're actually, we've got to get some of the root issues to move, to move forward. That's right, Chantel. We've got to work with God, work with him on this. And so I believe we've got to get some order back in our lives. All right, I'm going to keep moving. Is that okay? Yeah. Number four. Refocus. Refocus. We refocus our attention on God. When we're discouraged, who's ever found that when you're discouraged, the last thing you want to do is read your Bible? Isn't it amazing? You want to eat bad. You don't want to exercise. You don't want to pray. When you're discouraged, the devil loves it because you want to do all the things that you know aren't going to help you because they help you for like five minutes. That's exactly how the enemy, and it just compounds the problem. David says this, he says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My savior and my God. David refocuses himself on his savior and his God. David is saying we've got to get our minds off the things that are discouraging us. Do you know, I felt a shift in this service and about 10 minutes ago, there was a shift in this service. A spiritual shift, a positive shift where people like the penny was dropping in people's minds and people's, that's a positive thing. Because it's a refocus where people can actually, actually, I'm going to refocus. I'm, I'm not going to allow myself to stay in a state of discouragement any longer. And I had to remember last week, the same God that brought in the first million pounds for this project back in 2015, 2016, the same God that brought in the first million will always be the same God who will bring in the last million. Exactly the same God. The same God who got you through the first eight months of 2023 is the same God who is going to bring you through the final four months of 2023. We've got to refocus our attention on Him. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? I want to encourage you today, young people, young adults, families, God sees you. God will not fail you. God is with you. God, God has everything you need this week. Some of, us, some of us, we just need to shift and change the channel in our minds. Our thoughts, you see, determine our feelings. If you think negatively, you're going to feel negative. We've got to tune into the Spirit of God. Tune into the Spirit of God. You and I can be as happy or discouraged as we want to be this week. I'll say that again. You and I can be as happy or discouraged as we want to be this week. We choose. We've got to choose to change our thoughts. Why? Because when our thoughts change, our words change. When our words change, our spirits change. When our spirits change, our relationships change. Because our spirits connect to other people's spirits. So a discouraging spirit will always connect to a discouraging spirit. A stingy spirit will find a stingy spirit. A positive spirit will find a positive spirit. Whatever your spirit is will attract someone else's spirit. Spirits attract. That's why we meditate on what God says about us. We meditate on what is good. We switch the channel of our minds. Jonah said this, when I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. I turned my thoughts. I've got to change the channel. Number five, we're going to finish with this. Fifth step to defeating rejection, uh, uh, discouragement is this. I can't even see this. Resist. I'll start again. I need some glasses. Resist. We've got to make a decision. Continually resist discouragement because it will keep trying to come back. Fight against it. You cannot fight discouragement by being passive. I'm going to say that again because you've got to understand this. If you are discouraged, you cannot fight it by being passive. You have to be on the front foot. That's why I'm so glad you came to church today because someone needed to hear this message. You've got to get on the front foot when it comes to discouragement. So I printed out, I printed out 40 verses of faith and I put them on my office wall. I got a, a photo on the screen there. Mark printed them out for me. And every morning I speak God's word, these 40 passages over my family, over my mind, over my situation, over our future. I declare God's word into my situation. Can I encourage you? You've got to resist the devil. You cannot be passive because he will walk all over your family, walk all over your mind. He will walk all over you. You've got to declare by faith that Jesus is in control. Jesus will bring you through. Jesus has got your back. Jesus will supply all your needs. You cannot just sit back and think the discouragement's just going to leave you. You've got to resist it and get on the front foot. He wants to put courage back inside of you. The Bible says it's not by might nor by power. That's in my strength. But it's by your spirit. That's in his strength. You know what's going to separate us from the rest? When we get back up in his power. The righteous, they say, the righteous may fall seven times, but they decide to get back up again. And I made a decision. Last two weeks, every time I fall, I'm either up or getting back up. I say that again. I'm either up or getting back up. Some of you got to make a decision today. I'm not expecting you to get up. I'm expecting you to try to get up. I'm expecting you today just to find something inside of you to say, I can go again. I can make it. I'm going to try and defeat this discouragement that's been on me for so long. So we will finish this church on time and it will be paid in full. 
How, I don't know, but I declare it. And if you're listening, devil, I want you to hear it again. That building is paid in full with overflow in Jesus' name. And I want the devil to hear this as well. We will build a Christian school. We will build a Christian school with godly values and godly principles. And we will teach our young people the things of God. I don't know how, but we will be knocked back, but we'll get up again. And we'll go again. You will beat depression. You will beat depression. You will beat that addiction. You will be married. You will take a stance. You will pass that exam. Come on, someone, have you got any courage in your spirit to say, I'm moving forward. Come on, let's stand. I'm taking a stand. I've been down, but I'm getting back up again. Come on. I'm getting back up again. The prophet Isaiah said this. He said, shake yourself from the dust. Look at this. And get up. Get up. Shake yourself from discouragement and get up. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, shake yourself off and get up. Get up. Come on, let's, let's, hang on, hang on. Stand up if you're at home. Don't stand up if you're driving. Apart from that, stand up. Sometimes we just, I want to, I, I literally want to make the devil mad. I'm tired of discouragement in the church. If you've been discouraged, lift up your hand right now. If you've been discouraged. Now shake it off. Go on, shake it off. Just shake it off. Jonah said, shake off the dust. Shake off the dust. Get it off. Get it off you. Who's ever eaten a, a cookie? And you're in the car and you've got all the crumbs on you. What do you do? Come on, get that dust off. Come on, get that dust of discouragement off you. Come on, I'm going to make it. You're going to make it through. Get up. Get up. Hallelujah. Right now, this is the time to fight back. But there's a six, there's a six step here. And it's this. You've got to respond. Because none of this works unless we respond. We've got to respond. I had to, I had to be honest. I had to respond. I'm pastor, I'm a leader. Got discouraged, got down. Because some big blows. But you've got to make a decision. I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to shake the discouragement off. I'm going to dust myself down and get up. And if you're saying, John, today, I've been down. I've been discouraged. I'm in a state of discouragement. Right now, you're saying, I'm responding. You're not responding to me. You're responding to God, saying, God, I am determined to defeat discouragement in my life, in my family, in my home. I want you to lift up your hand right now. I'm going to pray. Come on. We don't need to camp there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's time to get up and fight. Resist the enemy. Fight for your family. Defeat discouragement. The devil will not win. You can make a decision today to get up. You can walk in victory today. You're an overcomer. You're heading into a week of blessing and favour. When the enemy comes in like a flood, 
the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against Him. Come on, let's raise our standard today. I speak courage over you. Hallelujah. I'm going to put out, put out five calls today. First one is a call to rest. If you're discouraged and you've been discouraged for a long time, it could be because you haven't rested. Maybe you violated God's Sabbath. God is calling you to rest. You can never recognize the areas you discouraged until you rest. I want everyone to close their eyes. But if, that, if that spoke to you today, that God is calling you to rest, where are you? Lift up your hand. I want to pray for rest. Find rest, my soul. Rest. The breakthrough is not found in doing more. It's actually found in doing less. It's going, God, you're in this. You fight my battles, God. Say, God, help me recognize what's discouraging me. I need some help. Just as you show me, my, the root of mine was pride and fear. God, show, show me what the, the, the root causes. And if that means that I need to get some professional help, God, I'm open to that. God, I, I, I need some help in recognizing those areas. Just lift your hand. Let me pray for you. Maybe you need some reorder. Maybe you're doing all the right things. You're simply doing them in the wrong order. Some of those things around health, finance, marriage, some of those things. You're saying, God, I need some help. Just reordering my priorities. Maybe it's refocusing our attention on God. My Savior and my God. I hope has been on the wrong things. And today I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to resist it. I know that discouragement could come knocking at any point. But today I'm making a decision. I'm going to resist discouragement. So today, I'm making a stand against the enemy. I'm going to dust it off. I'm going to take my rightful place. As a child of God, I stand firm in his righteousness. Father, you see every hand. We're all in a different space. We're all in a different season with this subject, yet you are in control. I pray for rest right now for those who are weak. I pray that you'd give us the strength and the self-control to honor the Sabbath. I thank you, Lord, to be our best, it requires rest. I pray that we would take time to recognize those areas of our life which we're feeling discouraged and you would help us bring reorder to disorder in our lives. I pray that our focus would be firmly, firmly fixed on you and that you'd give us the strength to continue to resist, 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 resist discouragement. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him in Jesus' name. This week, I'm walking out of here in victory. I'm walking out as an overcomer. I'm not walking out with the spirit of discouragement, but the spirit of courage. Be strong and courageous. God is speaking to you today. You can make it. You can go through the winds and the waves with him. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I'm going to pray for one more group of people. You say, John, I've never made a decision to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. I've been kind of going through discouragement all on my own. You can't beat discouragement on your own. That's what I realized. You can't eat your way out of it. You can't drink your way out of it. You cannot deal with discouragement outside of Jesus. We need Jesus. That's why the, 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 the manuscript for dealing with it is in the scriptures, in God's book. That's how we deal with it. But we need, as David said, he recognized my Savior and my God. We all need a Savior. We all need a Savior. 
We don't need a politician. If we needed a politician, Jesus would have come as a politician. But he came as a savior. He came as a redeemer. It's not politics that's gonna save this world, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And we need Jesus, you need Jesus. As a 12-year-old boy, I made a decision to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of my life. And I've never looked back. Has it been easy? No. Has there been days of discouragement? Absolutely. But Jesus has never left my side. And I've been down, but He's helped me get back up again. He's helped me keep going in some of the darkest days. And Jesus wants to help you. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to carry you through the good days and the not so good days. He promises us to be with us. But you have to make that decision. Number six, you have to respond. You have to respond and say, I need Jesus. I'm not going to say anymore. I'm going to count to three. If you say today, John, I need Jesus. I've tried everything else. It hasn't worked. I need Jesus. One, he loves you, my friend. Two, three, slip up your hand and say, today, I need Jesus. God bless you. 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 I need Jesus. Keep those hands up. I need Jesus. Come on. You're saying today, I need Jesus. I've tried everything else, but today I need Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Many people making a decision to follow Jesus. You can't do life without Jesus. You can try, but this world has nothing to offer. It continually leaves you discouraged. But Jesus, He's the lifter of your head. He'll keep your spirit up. Even when the world is black and dark, as we read right at the beginning, He'll help you through. So let me say this prayer. In fact, we're all going to say it together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's congratulate everyone who said that prayer. Many of you lifted your hands and in a moment we're going to conclude the service. If you're watching online, there's a QR code. You can scan that. But if you made that decision in the room, our team will be outside. And please take a, a Bible. Our team will be handing those out and let someone know because it's the first step to walking with Jesus. And we want to say today that was a commendable step. And This isn't the end. This is the beginning. And we want to help you on your journey into your newfound faith. Fantastic. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.